And today we're going to continue looking at what he says to us about worshipping him. And in particular, we're going to look at acknowledging him. So before we go any further, let's pray and let's ask him to open our hearts, to listen to his voice very clearly today about how he wants us to cross the street with him, for him and in him. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful we can come here together without persecution. Lord Jesus, we think of our brothers and sisters in lands overseas where for them to come together, they undergo a great cost and great persecution and great danger to their lives. We are so thankful that we can come together today free to meet with you, free to listen to your voice. We thank you that you've closed the gap, that you started the whole process by crossing the street and coming to us and closing the gap and saying, I will come to you, I will send my son to you, I will cross the street for you so that you can hear my voice, so that we can walk together and so that you can be free and be my people. We are so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you continue to love us, pour yourself into us, you keep speaking to us, you keep loving us. Lord, we just pray that we would open our ears and open our hearts and open our eyes to you. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss your voice and we don't want to miss being your people and fulfilling your plan and lifting you up to this dark world, Lord Jesus. Lift us, Lord Jesus. Help us to see that we are important, that each one of us is so significant and precious in your eyes. Help us not to be sleepy Christians, Lord. Stir us up. Stir our souls. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be awake to your voice. Help us, we pray, in your precious and holy name. Amen. So today is the very last sermon in this series of worship. It's a series called Building a Life of Worship. And today we're going to look at this overarching idea of acknowledging God in terms of how do we acknowledge God Because if we can know how to acknowledge God, we'll know how to worship God. There's not always um, ways that perhaps please God in the way we worship God. And I'm going to look at two alternatives of how we may be tempted to acknowledge God that could really be, I guess, put on this side of the street and could be labelled ignorant worship. The first one is to say, yeah, I believe in God, but you know what? The world has got such great new ideas. I think I'll go to the world to get my ideas on how to live my life. That's the first way we can acknowledge God. Yep, you exist, but really, I think the world's got some more up-to-date ideas than what you've got. You're a bit old and a bit boring and your book's been around for too long. It needs a bit of updating. So that's the first way. The second way is to say, do you know what? I might acknowledge you every morning. I might say, hi, God, it's really great that you're here. But you know what? I've gone to the world. They've let me down. And I reckon I've learned a thing or two. And I know the only one you can trust is moi. So I'll acknowledge you in the morning. I'll say hi to you in the morning. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to trust me. Because I know I can trust me. And I don't think I can trust anybody else. So I've said hi to you. I've done my bit. But now I'm going to rely on me. That's the second way we can acknowledge God. And that too is ignorant worship. And the third way is a radically different way of acknowledging God. It's an intimate, personal, practical, persistent, practiced way of worshipping God. And that's in a relationship. This word that we still don't really understand, I don't think. And that we will continue to learn about forever for the rest of our lives and that's part of acknowledging God wanting to learn more and more how we can acknowledge you so we're going to look at those three options of acknowledging God those three options of worshiping God but before we do that I just want to quickly review what we've already covered in this series given this is really a summary today of this series on worshiping God so as we um, just sort of do a quick hop over what we've learnt about worship. 
I want you to look onto the whiteboard. This is really a summary of what we've done so far to here. And then I'm going to add on these bits here. As we go through each of these things that we've already learned, I want you to think and ask God in your own hearts, Lord, do you know, sometimes I'm here, help me to come over here. Where do I really stand on that? How do I really live out my worship in my life when it's just you and me, God? Help me, Lord. Show me. Where do you want me to change? Because he's in you to change you. That's the thing. We ask him and he does the work for us. If only we'd stop and ask. So what have we learned about worship? Well, in this very first sermon, do you remember Mark spoke from John 4 and he talked about Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Now, what Jesus did is he crossed the street and he showed us what it means to cross the street. She was a Samaritan woman. He was a Jew, totally different. But he said, I'm going to leave my racial prejudices behind and I'm going to talk to this woman. There was a religious prejudice, totally different. There was a gender difference, male and female. The social norms was you don't have anything to do with Samaritans if you're a Jew. They're the dogs. But, you know, Jesus shows us that we need to cross the street in our own lives just like he did. When we come across people that have different races, different religions, different gender, different social norms, maybe they're from a, a, a different socioeconomic group. You see, Jesus is all about being inclusive. And if we want to have an intimate, close, worshipful relationship with Jesus, it's being more like Jesus, doing what Jesus did, crossing the street, saying hi to somebody that we wouldn't normally say hi to, even if it feels uncomfortable. Because it does when you talk to someone that's different. Who read on the newsletter here, on the back, there's a little um, challenge right at the top called Crossing the Street. And it was to look around the fellowship and to find somebody you've never prayed before for did anybody read it can you put your hand up if you did great if you didn't read it it was a fantastic challenge to start us thinking about crossing the street the whole idea is to say we get into these habits which sometimes may be this side of the street and one of the habits we do in our prayer life is to say I pray the same time every day. I pray for the same people all the time and in the same way. One way we can cross our street in a very small way is to stop and say, I'm going to pray for somebody different. I'm actually going to find someone right here sitting in the same building that is different to me. Maybe they're male, maybe they're female, maybe they're older, maybe they're younger, maybe they have the same colour skin, different colour skin. There's a whole heap of things that are different about this group of people sitting right here. I mean, there's even people here that like fishing. I didn't pray for someone that liked fishing. I chose somebody that I've only said hello to. Now, I found it a challenge. And the reason I found it a challenge to pray for this person every day this week is because my concern was I won't know what to say to God about her because all I've said is hello. But you know what I found? I'm standing over here. I've never prayed for this lady before. She's quite different to me. Um, my fear was, what, what am I going to pray for her, God? But you know what happens? I take a step and I say, I'm going to do this. And God then gives me some ideas. Here's some ideas. Here's how you can pray for her. So there's actually some words coming out now. To begin with, it was a bit silent but you know what he so wants to help us across the street he so wants to take our hand and say i'm walking with you liz you're not doing this on your own you may be used to doing it on your own over here not anymore so you see this is a tiny little way we can cross the street but what we're doing is we're worshipping as Jesus behaved when he was on the earth. We're crossing the street. We're saying, I don't know what I'd say if I met a Samaritan woman at the well. But Jesus does. And if you take his hand, he'll give you the words. Might be words you've never used before. Might be ideas you've never thought about before. But you know what? Eventually, he'll give you the words if you wait on him. So you see, worshipping is much more than just hello God every morning. 
Worshipping, we've learnt, is about crossing the street and including people that maybe we wouldn't be including before or thinking about before or praying for before. The second thing we learnt from that sermon is that worship is not necessarily just in a place. It doesn't have to be in a church building. It can be in a performing arts theatre or at a state school, just like we are. It can be at home in the garden. It can be when you're doing the ironing, like Jade was telling us about. It, it's definitely not a ritual. It's not a, am I done yet? I've been doing it for five minutes now. And it's definitely not an emotional state. It's not like you have to feel something to be worshipping God right. You know, he's asking us to make a choice to obey him and worship him regardless how we're feeling. And it's fact, when we're feeling really distant from him and we choose to worship him, that's what pleases him. What pleases him is when we worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not a place... It's not a ritual and it's not an emotion. What else did we learn? So the next sermon, God was um, talking to us about deeds we do in terms of acts of service. And we looked at this idea that whatever we do needs to be reflecting the one that lives in us, which is Jesus. And Jesus is holy and Jesus is loving. So no matter what we do, he's looking for this in our life. He's saying, God is not all holiness and no love. God is not all love and no holiness. He is both. So this idea is really important that we're actually worshipping and it's both holiness and love. Now this one, I think, runs deep for all of us. This one is a continuous learning experience for all of us because for all of us, the first way we learn about love is from our parents. And our earthly parents, as beautiful as they may have been or maybe they weren't so beautiful, they will have probably a skew one way or the other. So maybe your parents were quite tough. There was an emphasis on holiness There was an emphasis on perfection. There was an emphasis on demandingness. There was an emphasis on making sure that you did things right and that you were right. And it was really tough growing up with one or two parents with a huge emphasis on this idea of holiness and a very small emphasis on love and compassion and mercy and grace. You see, we grow up thinking that's love. Or maybe it was the opposite for you. Maybe growing up you had parents who said, it's all love. Whatever you want to do is great. That means I love you. I'll let you do whatever you want. That's how I love you. And if we grow up thinking that love is all about doing whatever you want, we have this idea in our head that loving God and worshipping God is doing whatever we want. So we've got to keep going back to God. We've got to keep going back and saying, God, help me cross the street when I get this out of balance. Because I'm looking at my experience and saying, my experience is this, so you must mean this. It's a big danger taking our, our experience and bringing the Bible down to our experience. We need to flip it. We need to take our experience and go up to the Bible. That is, don't interpret the Bible through our own eyes. Go to the Bible and say, Jesus, show me your holiness and your love. Show me how I can express that to others in everything I do and say. So that's what we learned in that sermon. And then last week, we heard from Jade. And it was lovely. I really enjoyed that sermon. It was beautiful. What we learned is that we're not confining ourselves to praying in the mind and in understanding. And she used this idea of praying in tongues in terms of saying it's not only in our mind and understanding, but it's also in the spirit. And this lovely idea of praising God by him in spirit, to him, for him, it's a lovely idea. It's a lovely truth. It's an important truth. So it's not just talking to God and worshipping God and praising God 
always with just our mind, excluding our spirit, excluding him and excluding some maybe weird and uncomfortable ways like talking in tongues. We're missing out here. We're missing out big time and worse, we're disobeying here. So it's praying and singing in the spirit and understanding. So that's really where we're at. That's where we got to last week. And the framework the three of us have been using in this series has been based around what the Vines Bible Dictionary says. Let's read it again. It says, The worship of God is nowhere defined in Scripture. Broadly, it may be regarded as the direct acknowledgement to God of his nature, attributes, ways and claims, whether the outgoing of the heart in praise and thanksgiving Jay did the blue bit last week, or by deeds done in such acknowledgement. And Mark did the deeds done, the purple bit, the week before. And what my task today is to look the black bit, this idea that all of this is a direct acknowledgement of God, whether it's in praise, whether it's in singing, whether it's in tongues, whether it's doing something for you. It's all an acknowledgement. It's like this umbrella term, I... I want to worship God, then I'll need to acknowledge God. So we've got to know what acknowledge means or we're not going to know what worship means. This is probably the most well-known scripture. This is one that's popular. This is one that comes to mind straight away, I think, when we think about acknowledging God. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways, in all all your ways that means everything you do every habit every course of life every action every word every thought everything acknowledge him and then the beautiful promise and he will make your paths straight it's a beautiful promise it's a real promise it's a genuine promise based on god's nature so you can trust this promise So in order to cross the street, we need to say, I want to acknowledge you, God, every single day, every single action. I think we all want to cross the street. But who would have thought it would be so difficult? Who would have thought that there'd be so many challenges? Who would have thought that sometimes it might feel so uncomfortable? I think sometimes we misunderstand some of the difficulties in crossing the street. Have a look at this street and imagine crossing this street. (laughs) I think I'd be saying, well, as well. Isn't that amazing? That's Vietnam. Have you been? I mean, isn't that incredible? Absolutely incredible. What amazed me is, you know, when he was walking, did you see where he was looking? He's heading in this direction. He's only looking this way. Amazing. I mean, he's writing on his little blog there. What's interesting is, I forgot to bring it. He says on there, if you go to Vietnam, just keep walking. They'll go around you. They'll swerve you. They'll swerve around you, except for the buses, he says. Don't do that with the buses. Wait for the bus. So what's really interesting, though, is that, you see, there's no rock-solid guarantee with his advice. It may work for you you may not work for you either and this is the thing the thing is crossing the street is not such an easy thing to do we're not meant to be doing it alone and I actually was reminded of this God decided maybe you need to apply this in your own life as I was jaywalking in the city last week so I decided that I couldn't wait for the lights because I was in too much of a hurry And I was crossing a street I've crossed hundreds of times before because I used to work on Edward Street in the city. So I'm crossing Edward Street. And I was in a bit of a hurry with Warren. We're going to have breakfast before he started work. So I'm jaywalking across the street and God says, are you jaywalking across the street? I thought to myself, why am I so confident to think that I can get it across the street? There's a problem. I've done it so many times before and the outcome was good. I made it and I didn't get hit. But you know what I've learnt since? 
Did you know every week there's a pedestrian in Brisbane City that gets involved in an accident? One a week. One a week, Brisbane City. I also found out that, isn't it great when Ben Fenn's not here, because I'm sure Ben Faint would be wagging his finger at me. Pedestrians can be fined if they cross the road against a red light within 20 metres of traffic lights. It was probably six metres where I was crossing. But you know you can also get fined if you don't take the most direct route. Did you know that? See, none of that's in my head. The only thing that's in my head is, I did it before, I can do it again, I'm good at this. That's the only thing that's in my head, really. And I'm in a hurry. You see, God says something very important in Proverbs 3.6. Remember the promise? He says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He'll take you straight across the street. He won't take you up the garden path. He'll take you straight across the street. Because if we try and do it ourselves, we're so busy looking at the traffic. That guy, if something had been coming this way, it would have got him in Vietnam. He was so busy looking at the scooters. We can only look at one direction at a time. God's got the whole 360-degree vision here. And he'll take us straight across. You'll never get a fine if you listen to God and where he tells you to cross the street. So we really need to understand what acknowledge means because we need the promise. Okay, let's have a look. We use this word every day in terms of... Oh, I didn't want all of that coming down. Oh, it's not working. That's all right. So we use this term acknowledge out of the dictionary. This is how we use it. So I'm going to look at the two kind of meanings that... When we use the word acknowledge, this is kind of what we need. And the first one is to admit to be real or true. Recognize the existence, truth or fact of. Like, for example, to acknowledge one's mistakes. So it's like, yep, I agree that those mistakes exist. Case in point, Lance Armstrong. Now, I'm going to try really hard not to form any opinions on this man because we don't know the full story. We only get what the TV tells us. He has admitted his mistakes. He has said... I've made a mistake. I'm not sure if he's done anything more. I I don't know. There's certainly lots of commentators that are criticising him and saying all he's doing is saying I've made a mistake. He's not looking at the consequences to sport or the consequences to future bike riders. He's saying I made a mistake. I acknowledge I made a mistake. I don't know if he's gone any further. It's saying yes, I agree. It's like yes, I agree. God exists. I look outside and he probably does exist. Stop. Nothing more happens. It's just a direct saying, yes, I agree, it's true. But you see, if this is what we think acknowledge means, maybe we're going to disagree with what James says in 2.19. God says to us, you believe there is one God, you do well. But even the demons believe and tremble. In other words, even the demons say, yes, God exists but they don't worship God. So that's not what God means when he says, acknowledge me in all your ways. Let's go to the dictionary and get the next meaning. Number two, to show or express recognition or realisation of. So for example, to acknowledge an acquaintance by nodding. It's kind of like if you acknowledge someone, that's how we use it in everyday speech. We might say, yes, I acknowledge you. You give a nod. Other little varieties. Does anyone here go walking in the morning? Can you put your hand up if you go walking any time from about 5am but probably no later than 7.30? It has to be between 5 and 7.30. Oh, joke. You're not even awake, James Bamford. Does anybody go walking in the morning? Is there no one here that goes walking in the morning? Occasionally. If you need a jump start? On a job site. Okay. I love the mornings. I love that time of day. But there's a real funny thing that happens in the mornings. If I go out of the house and go for a walk, somewhere between when the sun comes up, but about 7.30 it ends, people nod at me. Like you'd be walking, it's like a club thing. Yeah, we're pretty cool out here. So you get the nod, you get the tip, you get the hi, you get all these acknowledgements. But you know what happens about 7.30? Because if I drop the kids at the bus when it's during term and then go for a walk on my days off, you walk past someone, 
No one nods at me. Nobody smiles at me. Nobody says hello to me. I've done experiments. I've noticed. It's like, when does it stop? It happens. It's true, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, really? Does anyone say hello between 5 and 7.30? What about after 7.30? What a friendly place. I live in the wrong place. Okay, I need to move to Tanamira. But you know what's crazy? These are man-made rules about acknowledgement. It's like somewhere, especially where I walk, there's this man-made rule about when to acknowledge and when to not acknowledge. And you know, this is exactly what gets up God's nose. And he said through Isaiah, Isaiah 29.13, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. So God was talking then about Israel's hypocrisy. But you know, Jesus quoted this too to the Pharisees in the New Testament as well because the Pharisees made up all these rules about how you're supposed to worship God. But they're just man-made rules. But we already knew that, didn't we? We already knew that ritual is ignorant worship. It's not intimate worship. So you see, nodding at God, saying hi in the morning, maybe not after 7.30 because my day's busy now. I've got to get on with work now, God. You need to just shove over there for a minute, is not what God means when he says, acknowledge me in all your ways. All right, let's move then to what God does mean. What does a Bible dictionary say? What is the word in the Hebrew when he gave us that proverb? What was he actually saying to us? He was saying, I want you to know me. He says, I want you to know and learn to know. I love that. It's like we're continuing to learn here to cross the street. It's not like we all live over here all the time, I hope. And it's not like we're perfect and never sin and live over here all the time either because we're all being sanctified. Just like Cheryl prayed, we're all wanting to become more like you, Jesus. Thank you for sanctifying us. Thank you for being the God that sanctifies. We're going to learn to be more like you, Jesus, but in you, for you. It's not on our own. So acknowledging is learning and learning to know him. It's to perceive, to perceive and see, find out and discern. Is this really what God is like? Is God really, really all about holiness and nothing about love? Is that really what God's about? He says, I want you to discriminate and distinguish between what's ignorant worship and what's intimate worship. I want you to get to know me. But it needs to be intimate so you can discriminate between a deception and the truth. It's to know by experience. You see, experience is something different to knowledge because we know that knowledge puffs up. You can know all this stuff about God, but it's love that edifies. It's in relationship with God that you get to know him. It's by talking to him and relying on him and calling out to him. It's this experience we gain through relationship with him, which is talking and walking and listening with him. It's to recognize, admit, acknowledge, confess the truth. It's confessing what he's told us. It's confessing who he is. It's confessing what he's done for us. And it's to consider. It's to think about God. It's to think about what he's like. It's to think about the times we've spent with him. It's to think about what he's already done for us. So acknowledging God is a whole lot more than saying, yes, I think you exist, or acknowledging you first thing in the morning, nodding my head and saying, thanks God, but I've got to get on with my day now. This is in all our ways, in all parts of the day, to get to know him, think about him, experience him, talk with him, learn about him. Perceive, is that of God? Is that not of God? So as I was preparing this sermon, which is kind of the process um, that I go through most times when I'm preparing a sermon, is that I kind of put some notes together. I'll talk to Mark about it. I'll chew it over a little bit. 
then I'll go back to the Bible and I'll read a little bit more and then I'll pray a little bit more. Because to me, this idea of acknowledging God, I thought to myself, man, I, I really got to get, get to God and find out what is he really saying to us in this proverb? Acknowledge me. What, what is he saying? I want you to worship me. But I really got to get this acknowledging God because I think this is bigger and deeper than I'd ever realized before. So we do a bit of this backwards and forwards and we've been doing, like, we've been doing that by email this week. And we came to this um, point where it's really saying, but how can we acknowledge God? How does this become a practical thing that we do rather than just an idea or a theory or something we discuss? How do we acknowledge God in our everyday life? And I just want you to, re- I want to read out and want you to listen to some of these ideas about what Mark wrote in this email. He said, When you are caught in a dry and barren desert in life, it's acknowledging or knowing him as the fountain of living water that gets you through the desert. When you're trapped in a situation and there seems no way out, it's acknowledging that he's the door and trusting him for his direction. When you're hurting and you're upset, it's acknowledging that he is the comforter and it's going to him for comfort. When provisions are low... In the face of a famine, it's acknowledging that he is the bread of life, the supplier of all our needs. So it's in each of those situations we face, it's stopping and acknowledging there's a nature or an attribute or a character of God or a promise from God that I can call out to. I could acknowledge that. I can think about that. I can consider that. I can pray about that. I can talk to God about that. I can confess it. I can declare it. Not as a list of information, look how many attributes of God I know and let me tell you. It's stopping and saying at this very moment, I need to confess that and express that and thank God for that and draw from that. There's a big difference from listing it to drawing from that and experiencing that character or part of God we may not have experienced before or maybe we have and we've come back for the hundredth time to re-express it but you know each time we do that our faith grows something beautiful happens we become just that little bit more like Jesus so I've just got a video I'd like you to watch it goes for about two or three minutes and then we'll have a chat about it it's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it's a beautiful song. It's a stirring song. It, um, it really stirs up some beautiful emotions. You know, it's, it's lovely to be stirred up. It's lovely to feel those positive emotions. It's lovely to think that there's some beautiful truths in that song. There's some beautiful names in there with meanings and promises that go with them. But it's not about Yeah, I know all those names. I got that. And it's not about, oh, I didn't know many of those names at all. Oh, maybe I'm not worshipping God. It's not about a checklist or a scorecard. It's about, I want to learn more about you, God. I want to know each of those names and how that applies to my life and different situations. You are my shepherd. Wow. Are you my shepherd all day, every day, or just when things get tough? What about in the good times? Are you my shepherd? I mean, it's it's stopping and considering what that means in your life personally. Not just a list of characteristics or a list of names that we can rattle off. It's this beautiful acknowledging these beautiful traits and attributes of God And how that applies in the day-to-day walk as you talk and walk with him every day. This is the acknowledging. This is the intimate closeness that he's looking for with us. So this becomes real to us. He's our provider when we think we've got nothing left. He's our comforter when we're in so much pain. This is something we call out, we acknowledge by confessing and we experience it as we walk with him and cross the street over here, not as a list, but in relationship, as an intimate knowledge of him being our personal provider in our personal situations. It's beautiful. 
And yet, that beautiful song can so easily be forgotten. We can hold hands with God and say, Yep, your love never fails. You're my provider. Right now, while I'm feeling gooey, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful. Because there's temptations out there to acknowledge him in a way that is really quite distant from him. You see, he's looking for us to go to him for the truth. But where are we going for our truth? You see, YouTube and Wikipedia, they're quite enticing. Because it's new, it's up to date, it's flashy. You push a button, it's there. Did you know Wikipedia has this section called WikiHow? How to do everything. Even how to cross the street. I laughed. I went, seriously? Wikipedia is going to tell me how to cross the street? I've got to have a look at this. So if I went to Wikipedia, this is what it would tell you as well. Okay? So WikiHow for our truth. Pictures and everything. Go to the intersection. Do not cross the street between intersections unless there's a specially marked crossword provider. Ooh, listen to that rain. Then, stop when you get to the intersection. Make it clear to any cars that you're not going to keep going. And I thought to myself, you're making it clear to the drivers? I'm staying and hope they see you. I thought, seriously? We're going to Wikipedia and listening to what they're telling me and hoping that I'll be safe? on the proviso that the cars, hopefully they'll see that I'm not crossing yet, gets worse. Make eye contact with the driver so that both of you know that the other person saw you. Okay, how am I going to do that? Hope you saw me. Have I made eye contact? Do I need a little bell? What am I going to do to get eye contact? I hope I got eye contact. If they let you go first, if they let you go first, cross swiftly and nod your head at them as you're crossing. Run if you have to. Now that really got me. My mother said, never run across the street. You'll trip and fall and they'll run over you. So I'm starting to get a little bit concerned. If they go first, check for other cars. If so, repeat steps one and two. They are more likely to let you go first. All right, more likely. That's my promise, more likely. Because they will have seen you waiting there for a while. Uh Uh-huh, more likely. We're giving up these beautiful, great promises of God for more likely from Wikipedia? We're nuts, aren't we? Declare your intentions to cross. If you're in a, if you're in a jurisdiction, oh, I wonder if I'm in a jurisdiction because I think about if I'm in the jurisdiction here, where the pedestrian has the right of way, this right does not apply until you have the foot on the intersection. So I now have to put my foot on the intersection to say now I'm in the jurisdiction and if I'm in a crazy country, it's... Possibly not going to be there when I look down again. Do you see the risks that we're expected to take by following the advice from Wikipedia? Oof. And then cars are not generally required to stop. You know, maybe they will, maybe they won't for a pedestrian if the pedestrian is simply standing at the intersection. But I thought about that word jurisdiction. American websites, and now I'm listening to advice about crossing a road in Australia with American rules and laws. Oh, maybe they haven't allowed for an Australian reader. So you think God is a God and he's a God of people from all nations. He wants to be a house of prayer for all nations. He covers us no matter where we come from, no matter what our laws, no matter what the legislation He's a safe place to go. This may be okay if you're in America, maybe, probably, hopefully, generally. You see, this is relying on rules taught by men. Aren't we crazy? Relying on rules taught by men and giving up that beautiful, intimate, personal relationship with God. So what does God say? What's he say about trusting what others say? See, this is the first way to acknowledge God. Yep, I reckon you're around, but I'm going to go to the world for advice and check out the latest way to cross the street. You see, he says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man because it's man who's typing the stuff for the internet. So you see, we could cross the street and stop putting so much confidence in man and instead...
It's trusting in him. And when he says to cross the street, where he says to cross the street, when to cross the street, what to say when you get over to the other side of the street and talk to someone that looks totally strange and someone you might not normally talk to. So acknowledging God is not going to the world for advice. That was option one. We can trash that. Now let's look at option two. Option two in terms of acknowledging God is, okay, well, instead of being let down the world, I'll just rely on moi because everyone else has let me down and I only rely on number one. Let's have a look at that. I want you to think about the last time you saw a little fly flying around and trying to get out a window. What does it do? When it gets trapped in the car or when you've seen it at home? Have you noticed it does the same thing over and over and over and over again? It flies, boom, oh, didn't work. Flies, boom, hits the glass again, didn't work. Flies, boom. You watch it and you think, what is wrong with you? Flies back into the glass. How many times does it hit the glass trying to get out? It's like, I can see out, I must be able to get out. Bzzz, splat, bzzz, splat. This just goes on, you can go away, have a cup of coffee, come back, bzzz, splat. You see, the fly's strategy is try harder. I know I can do this. I've done this before. I've flown for probably whole three days of my life, which is nearly over, but I can do this. So the mantra, when we rely on ourselves is just try harder. And the really sad thing is that you're sitting there in your kitchen watching this stupid fly, bzz, splat, bzz, splat, do you know two metres to the left, there's an open door? All that fly has to do is just fly two metres to the left and there's the door. But how often do we do that? How often are we like that fly? This isn't working what I'm doing in my life over here. I just got to try harder. I'll just repeat it over and over and over and over again. You know, if we go two metres this way, Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the way out. I'm the way in. I'm the way, the truth and the life. He's the only place for the truth. We haven't got it in us. We'll just probably do the same things over and over again because that's what we do because we think one day we'll get it. Or maybe we've been successful once before, once, and we just keep doing it again and again and again. You see, the problem is that God would say, we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things, ourself, rather than the creator who is forever praised. That's not acknowledging God. Jesus said, whoop, I wasn't expecting that one. Jesus said, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. So we're trusting ourselves. Can't trust the world, they've let us down. Let's trust ourselves and our own heart. And Jesus says, for from within, out of men's hearts, which is what we're trusting now, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. That's what we're trusting? Seriously nutty stuff. You see, God says to us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We've got to leave this. We've got to cross the street and say, I'm not going to trust me and my heart and all the wickedness that comes out of my own heart and I'm going to trust God. I'm coming over here. I'm coming over to where the door is, where there's freedom from being a slave to sin. The sin just goes on and on and on like the fly hitting the wall. So acknowledging God is not trusting our own advice. It's not leaning on our own understanding. So option one doesn't work, trusting the world. And option two doesn't work, which is trusting ourselves. It's trusting the Lord. Now, I was going to read from Acts 17, from 20 to 28, but I'm not going to because I'm running out of time. So the short version is that this is the passage of Scripture where Paul is in Athens in Greece and he's walking around 
And you see, Athens is the place where um, it's like the capital of all the intellectual ideas and all the great philosophers live there. This is like, um, you know, like in English, would ha- England, England it would have Cambridge or Oxford. It's like this is the place where all the smart people are and all the philosophers and people that know it all. That's, that's where it is in Athens in Greece back in that time. It was also considered the religious capital. So it's like we've got it covered. We know what we're doing. We know everything here. And they've got all the latest ideas. So Paul's visiting there and he goes for a walk. And like any tourist, he's going for a walk to see what he can find. And he's disgusted. He's grieved at the idolatry in this place. And then he finds an altar. And on the altar it says, to an unknown God. You see, they had all this knowledge. They had all these religious rituals. But their altars are to an unknown God. They don't know God at all. It's ignorant worship. It's rituals. It's knowledge. It's just information these guys have. And it's maybe not even the right information. You see, we got to cross the street from holding hands with an unknown God and reaching out and holding hands with a known God. Because he is keen to hold hands with us. He says to us, Your hand shall lead me, David's talking, and your right hand shall hold me. So just as God's hand would lead David and his right hand would hold him, God's hand will lead you. And God's hand will hold your hand. So you don't have to cross the street on your own. He's holding your hand. You see, it's in him that we cross the street. It's for him that we cross the street. It's by him we cross the street. Just one little issue. We can't hold hands with two. We can't think that we can hold hands. Well, actually, I like this hand, God. I like the love thing. I like the grace and the mercy and the yummy stuff, the compassion, all that stuff, the forgiveness. I like that. I'll have that. Uh, I want the lust stuff from the flesh too. I think I'll have that too. Doesn't work. God says you need holiness and love. We need both. And the beautiful thing about holding hands with God is that you see his hand never ever pulls away from ours we're the only one that pulls our hand out of his his arm is stretched out to us his mighty arm and it never fails you see he initiated this whole process when he sent Jesus in the perfect place here to come all the way over here to our grotty little place of sin to start this whole beautiful relationship with us and close the gap that sin separated us. He sent Jesus and said, I'll start this whole thing. I'll, I'll send him and I'll put all the punishment onto him so you and I can walk together and we can walk together in life hand in hand. Stay with me, he says. In every situation, in all your ways, acknowledge me and I'll give you the most direct path back. There is a wonderful opportunity for you and me and everyone every day to hold hands with God. You know, we may not have wells. We may not bump into a woman at the well. But you know, in about five or ten minutes time, you've got an opportunity to practice this. Because worship is personal, it's persistence, and it's practiced. So in five to ten minutes' time, if it's not too wet outside, you may not interact with someone over a well. But you may well interact with someone over a jug of water or a glass of water or a a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And that person may be older than you or younger than you or a male or a female And you know what? Maybe we need to say, God, I've never spoken to this person before because I don't have much in common with her or I don't have much in common with him. Nathan Rash. He's a male. 
He's somewhat younger than me. He's got interests in shooting paintballs at people and getting hurt and thinks that's fun. There's a whole lot about Nathan Rash that I don't have in common with that young man. And we could list all the differences. And maybe he's got a bigger list of differences when he looks to me. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Even the uncomfortable thing. What am I going to talk to Nathan Rash about? I can't talk about paintballing. I'm definitely not going to talk about fishing, camping, shooting, hunting. He comes from a totally different country in South Africa. He was brought up by the beach and now in a city. I'm the opposite, brought up in Australia on a farm. I mean, we could come up with all these differences and I could just ignore the Samaritan woman at the well because I don't know what to say. Awkward. Or I just walk over here and say, Hi, I just want to worship God and acknowledge God and in all my deeds acknowledge that he's the one that matters and he crosses the street and talks to anybody. And God will think of something to come out of my lips, even if it's stupid and Nathan laughs. Who cares? It's a start. You see, we get too comfy. But we're deceived. We exchange the truth for a lie. Let's not do that as we worship God this week. Let's not do that for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so in awe of your beautiful love and your majesty, your holiness. But Lord, we are just so thankful that you started this whole beautiful relationship Lord, we say sorry for walking away from you, for going to the world and trusting the world more than you, for trusting ourselves more than you, for thinking that worshipping you is just acknowledging that you exist or thinking that worshipping you is to say hi in the morning or to recite the Lord's Prayer or to do some sort of religious duty thing. Lord, forgive us, I pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak directly into each person's heart today. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would open their hearts and their eyes, open their hearts and their eyes for them, Lord, I pray. Let them know that you are so willing and so able and so desirous. You are our mighty God. You are our great God. And you give us everything for life and godliness. Help us to remember that every day. Help us to acknowledge you. Help us to reach out and know you more through every situation we face. In all our ways, help us to acknowledge you and thank you that you make our paths straight. In your holy name, amen.